0: Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. And we are coming to you from the wonderful city, the beautiful city, the sunny city right now of Chicago, Illinois. And we are on every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central. Yeah, 6 to 7 p.m. Central. Now, look, if you're new to the Radio Psalm family, we want to thank you, first of all, for tuning in. I want to let you know that you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You will find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Radio Islam USA That's at Radio Islam USA And you can also check out those Previous episodes that you may have missed Out on wherever you get your podcasts So if that's SoundCloud, TuneIn iTunes or Google Play or any Other platform you'll find us At Radio Islam USA At Radio Islam USA Alright Radio Islam family uh, It is great to be back for another uh, Another great week of programming, conversations. And we are starting off this week talking with Dr. Will. Dr. Will DeAmport. He is the host of the Dr. Will Show uh, podcast. He's affectionately known as Dr. Will and is a recognized digital digital leader focused on the power of mobile technology to support this generation of tech-savvy learners. Uh, He leverages learning outside the confines of the classroom. His mission is to remove technology, as an impediment from teachers becoming innovators in their classroom. That is important stuff. So we want to thank him and welcome him to the show. Asalamu Alaikum. Awakum Asalam.
1: How are you doing, brother?
0: I'm doing well, Alhamdulillah. Good to have you.
1: Thank
0: you. So, um, yeah, so uh, that is that is a big mission, all right? Uh, removing technology as an impediment. Uh, and not just from teachers, when I think about their statement, it makes me think about my parent generation, uh, in particular, who I find myself talking to—I mean, more more often than I would—I uh, wouldn't believe I would have this many conversations to say how do you how do you log on to SoundCloud or how do you <laughs> you know uh, how do you how do you set up a, a Gmail account? Uh, but you're doing it for those who are responsible for educating uh, uh, our, our youth, our, our children. Um, that's a big that's a big job. so you know but before we get into uh, all the nuts and bolts uh, concerning that mission and how you you do that tell us a bit about your uh, beginnings in education
1: wow Um, well I you know I just graduated from film school Mm. and I had the idea of okay, I'm going to write this script. Mm -hmm. So, like, what do I do? Um, You know, and when Hollywood, you know, they'll tell people, they'll say, oh, you know, I was a a bartender, I did some waitressing and all of those things. Um, I was a substitute teacher for for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, from that, you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to write this script. And I sat down to write a couple of times, but nothing really – you know, came out, and I just started enjoying my time and working with the young people, and I got a letter in the mail from our uh, career services at the university, you know, Mm -hmm. talking about uh, Gear Up, and they Mm -hmm. were, you know, hiring different positions all over the country, and I ended up in Boston. Uh, working for the University of Massachusetts, Boston, Mm -hmm. uh, overseeing their college and career, uh, well, college and career, so college readiness prep program for students. So with that, I organized college trips uh, all over uh, the northeastern part of the country, uh, as well as having people from universities or different professions come in and speak to the young people in the program about what college is like? How should they prepare their essay? What other classes like? What does financial aid look like? Um, what careers are available to them? You know, so that's how I got into education.
0: Mm. Okay. So after after graduating from film school, yes. Wow. Okay. That that's that's a wonderful uh, that is a wonderful route into education from film school. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely wasn't on my radar. Right,
0: so. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that that is one of the things that I really do enjoy about um, <clears throat> about education that field in particular is because I know so many educators who have come through uh, non traditional um, non traditional pathways, uh, you know, mm-hmm. not beginning out as primary school uh, or, or secondary, you know, uh, educators, but you know who were chemists, you know, uh, practicing chemists, but. Uh, and but but for yourself as a filmmaker, I think uh, I think that's wonderful. So, um tell us a bit about the Doctor Will show. How did that begin and, and, and what's the what, what's what's the mission of the uh of, of the show?
1: Um, the show came about honestly, you know, after speaking uh with a friend of mine and he's huge in the co consulting game. Mm-hmm and i I just reached out to him and i had done a few things but you know i just just said hey hey man how can i get to your level (laughs) and he said you need to create content creating that digital uh footprint Mm -hmm. online for other people to see you know what you're doing and what you're about now he meant blogging right and quite honestly after writing that dissertation i just wasn't in the mood to be doing a <laughs> you know a bunch of writing on a consistent basis right um now prior to me joining my school district i was the chief social strategist for a career development company and part of that job included me creating content for the company and so i you know after watching a bunch of videos on youtube mm mm-hmm. I decided, well, let me create a uh, sort of podcast video show on on uh, YouTube where I would interview people on a lot of different topics that related to career development and kind of fed back into what the company was about. And so that was sort of my first foray into that medium. And then after having that conversation with Eric, I decided, well, let me go back to that in order for me to create that content and and increase my visual presence online, and so that's where the idea sort of the show came from. And I, for for the first three years of the show, I did a typical I guess educator podcast where I interviewed uh, a bunch of different educators on different technology technological tools and ed tech and uh, what are you doing in your classroom, sort of stuff. And I would sprinkle in some career development things, you know, like uh, yoga and and exercise and things like that. Right. And then I was getting ready to approach my fourth season, and I was like, I'm kind of (laughs) bored of talking about
0: iPads. (laughs) Okay. I'm
1: like, you know, like, this is my job. I do this every day. Uh, So I'm kind of bored about it. So what can I do? What what interests me. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I'll I'll still throw some stuff in with ed tech, but I really want to talk to people about career development and personal development and how can people sort of become their best selves. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, I was telling I told my wife and I kinda of told people that I'm here to educate the whole teacher. Uh, and so mm. I just started to think about what could I do? And I, and I have this real interest in entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurship. And I said, well, let me change the focus of my podcast to start bringing in more people in business. Mm-hmm. And at first we started talking about social media and digital and business, and now it sort of has, has crystallized. Where I, you know, introducing the show, I say, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Right. And, and the show is, for me and my attempt, to want to get educators to think about themselves as total human beings, on how can you be happy with your life and your career, mm-hmm. uh, and second, to sort of give them certain tools. So I've done a show on how to buy a house. Mm. Uh, okay. I've done shows on insurance. Uh, shows on, uh, you know, how do you save and invest your money? So, and then, of course, how do you start that side hustle to monetize the talents you already have? So I'm telling educators also, stop giving away your genius for free uh, because we are notorious in our field for having different ed tech publications and magazines and other companies come to us and say, hey, can you present for us at a conference? And can you write for our blog? Can you do this? And some of these people have huge names. And it's very flattering to get that phone call or to get that email. And I admit, I spent a couple of years of my life doing the same thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But at some point, when do you know your own value and to stop giving away your genius for free? Because all that company is doing is taking your content and tying that into their product marketing
0: so there so is make it, there is an element of there is an element of of helping teachers helping educators to see themselves as entrepreneurs as well as having as having a product or something that is a value that goes beyond the classroom
1: yes hmm. yes I tell them all you know know your worth add tax and shipping and handling
0: uh,
1: <laughs> I you like know that. get get paid for it uh, you know, because also you know we know as educators <laughs> our salaries are stagnant. You know, it's not like think I'm good. a marketing okay. executive where I can kind of okay I had a great fourth quarter. Right. Uh, let's let's renegotiate my salary. That doesn't happen. You know, if the state and the school district says for how many, for this many years and this level of education, this is my salary. This is my salary. Doesn't matter how great I do my job. Quite honestly, it doesn't matter how poorly I do my job, I'm gonna still get the same salary. Mm-hmm. So, I want educators to think about them you know their their financial futures as well, so that 's part of why I do all those other things and so, I would say the the mission of my show is to get educators to take that first step you know if you 're not happy with your with your life, take that first step to to do something about it if you 're not happy with your career, take that first step to do something about it if you 're not happy with your income take that first step to do something about it. So uh, I'm just here trying to educate, inspire, hopefully empower educators to take control over their lives and their careers and their finances.
0: Now there's one thing that uh, the idea of addressing the educator as as a human being, as a, as a complete individual, uh, I think Mm -hmm. that is, uh, I think that's essential uh, in in any, in any, in any uh, industry or any endeavor is to not just look at what is the uh, what is the task that is being asked of the individual, but asking is the individual, um, are they situated? Are they, um, I don't want to use military language, but are they armed with the, the necessary uh, skills and knowledge uh, for them to be effective at that task? So in that vein, looking at one of the, um, I guess, the, the, the bedrock uh, principle that, that that your your show was built on, which was um, um, uh, it, it decreasing this this fear, right, of of using uh, digital platforms uh, in in education, and of course, I see that there is a there is a there is a transference um, from the classroom to the educators. Own, own individual their, their personal lives and and how they you know how they continue to to develop themselves. But I want to pull us back into the to the classroom for a second mm-hmm. and ask about <clears throat> um, at what point it was the biggest consideration that uh, educators had to to take into uh, uh, account of was the different types of learners that they had sitting in front of them. You know whether they were visual, tactile, or auditory. Um, but now with the uh, with the introduction of technology into uh, education, into society, and of course into education, how has that expanded uh, that awareness of, of the way different students learn? How has technology being brought into the mix changed that?
1: Well, I don't approach it from those various learning styles. I, I approach it from the idea of this is a different student that they're used to,
2: right?
1: Uh, particularly if a teacher has been teaching, you know, 15, 20 years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for many students, uh, particularly students of lower income environments, their first connection, their their first connected internet connected device, their first experience on a computer is not with a laptop. Mm-hmm. It is with a smartphone or a tablet. Mm. And they're also, with with that smartphone, they're walking around with the world's information in the palm of their hand. Right. And so whether you're saying I can go to YouTube and learn how to program a computer, or I can go to different websites, or I can pull up the the Quran, all of that information is right there. And so what I do with teachers is to talk to them about how We need to teach students with the idea in mind that they have access to information 24 hours a day, anytime, anywhere. Mm. And let's use the technology in that way when you're thinking about teaching because a piece of paper, that's not a dynamic document.
2: Right.
1: You know, it's a one and done situation. Whereas as a teacher, if you are having students write that essay in a Google doc, for example, Throughout that process, you as the teacher can go in and give feedback, leave your comments, ask students questions, and that continued dialogue helps that student not only process their writing differently, look at their own voice in writing, but that continuous loop of feedback from that teacher continues the learning process for the student. So the learning does not stop because they turned that sheet of paper in. The learning is continuous. And so I, I try to tell teachers, you know, because this information, uh, these devices are so connected and things are there. Let's work with students when they say meet students where they are. A lot of times they're just talking about their not sort of their skill level. Right. But I try to take that a step further: is meet them where they are online because that's where they are anyway. Mm. And so let's do what you you do what you do, but let's kick it up to the next level. Uh, not to even mention with video conferencing tools, you can bring in experts to your classroom without any money. You you don't have to worry about do we have money for a field trip? Mm -hmm. You wanna have an author in your class? You can bring that author in your classroom. You wanna have uh, athletes, you wanna have business leaders, anyone, they can come into your classroom and have your students actually ask that person questions and and become more invested in in their education as well. So uh for me it's just about teachers understanding that the classroom now because of this technology you have a classroom without walls.
0: Does this require the teacher to become? I should say it's my it's my observation uh I would like to hear your idea on this but this this new development uh this requires teachers to be more engaged In the the education process, Um, and but there's an other side to this. I want to go back to what you were mentioning earlier. Is that uh, the the teacher's salary is is, it is um static? It's not moving. And there's a certain amount of uh, effort. There's a certain there's a certain uh, methodology that was in place prior to uh, prior to you know that. That was about giving an assignment with, with paper, and mm-hmm. okay, this is the assignment, and I'll take it back from you on Friday. And now it's open up a Google uh, Google Doc, and I'm going to be monitoring uh, how you know how you're doing and giving you almost real time feedback. So it, it seems that there's 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 a greater opportunity for education and, and development, but there's also at the same time that there's there seems to be maybe more effort that's going to be required of educators as well. Um, would you, do you think that's that's a fair assessment?
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, there will be more effort. Uh, one, on the front end, there's going to be more effort of teachers learning the tools mm-hmm. and learning how to use the tools effectively. Okay. You know, not just, oh, I have this remediation program. I'm just going to put Jamal on their program for 15 minutes. Uh, but how do we use technology in ways in which you not only engage students, but students become creators of their own learning mm-hmm. and taking ownership of their own learning and creating products and producing content. So one example I have is uh, Miss Walker. Uh, I, I, I used to call her my general. Mm-hmm. She taught biology, Normally, in all teachers, biology teachers do this across the country, they study biomes, and a lot of them have kids do these dioramas with shoeboxes
2: right.
1: to do this diorama. What she did, because of the technology, she told her students, she put them in groups, and she said, you have to create a survivor video based upon your diorama. And so I would watch the video, and it was awesome. The kid was like, "Well, we were taking off, we were on our way to such and such. There was turbulence, things were going crazy on the plane, and we crashed in the desert."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they had to tell the story in that video of how, based upon the environment of the of the desert biome, what did they need to survive? Mm the students still had to explain and provide evidence of their knowledge of what goes on in the desert biome. But now this was more creative. The students took upon themselves to make the video. They had to do the research. They had to use the technology to make the video. And they had a, they had a better time at doing that than the, doing the shoebox. <laughs> um, and other times in her class as well, she science assigned student groups to say, you will be teaching this lesson. Y'all will be teaching this lesson. You'll be teaching this lesson. And the students had to, again, research the material. They had to learn the material. And then they used different tools, whether it was Nearpod, Google Slides, Quizlet Live. And they taught their fellow classmates.
2: Mm.
1: And okay. she remarked how they actually did a harder job on some things that she may have done. And and so they owned the learning. So they weren't just passive participants, you know, just sitting in the background with a worksheet. They were actively participating in their own learning. Uh, And
0: now, you know, some teachers. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: You know, it takes work for them to get to that point, right? Hmm. Hmm. And another point it takes for them to let go. And what I mean by let go is let students run with the learning and not them having to control every minute of the day
0: that is a huge paradigm uh shift uh yeah uh, definitely and in that in that last statement you made you you answered a question that i i had been i'd been thinking about which was um the possibility of having this technology that is very much almost second nature uh to the the, the children of today um has it made learning i don't want to say Easier, but no. Has it reduced their desire to learn? Because there is so much uh, at their fingertips. There's so there's so so many possibilities. Um, but your that last example it definitely refutes that idea.
1: Yeah, they they love it. Yeah. Now I, I'm not going to say every student does well with the technology because some students. I mean, let's be real. They're they're kids. Uh, some don't because come some come school don't want to be bothered at all. Right. Uh, but for those who are like I'm here, they enjoy that better than the pencil and paper because one, that pencil and paper they're just sitting there quietly with that sheet, that worksheet, uh, with the tools. They get to interact with classmates. They can have those conversations. They get to do things and create that and stuff that they normally can't. Even with a Quizlet Live, and they're putting in groups to do this, they're in competition with their classmates to see who can answer the not only the correct answer, but the correct answer the fastest. Mm-hmm. And the way that program works, if someone submits an incorrect answer, you fall to the bottom. Even though you may have been first, you automatically fall to the bottom. And then they have to work their way back up to the top. And all of this is done live. And they have a blast at it because they want to be number one. Uh, so it, it, I enjoy what I I am seeing with the technology because not only are kids using tools that they, would normally do because they have their devices with them all the time. You'll see them in the hallway. Yeah. You'll say, "All right, now you know you need to put that phone away." Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but they 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 already have the phones. They already have the devices. They're already shooting video. They're already on YouTube and Snapchat and these other things. This is just a way for them to learn how to use those devices for learning, and not just for consuming, you know, other content. And some of that content is not you know age appropriate anyway. But this right. is a way for the teacher to show them how to use use those devices and the content in more meaningful, positive ways for educational purposes.
0: Let me ask this. And this idea of meeting the students where they are, uh, and mm-hmm. where they are, if you find, and I've, I've got three teenage uh, daughters, and their phones uh, stay glued to them, you know, unless we... And, and we have an app to shut them down, uh, which mm-hmm. is probably the, the best thing we've ever done. Uh, you know, 9 o'clock, apps go off. Um, but do you what is the impact that you see um with regard to uh say the more affluent uh, s- uh school districts uh and their their counterparts uh, usually found in inner city uh neighborhoods you know you're talking about generally uh black and brown um, uh communities um what are the what has technology done to maybe erase or uh, has it has it has it uh, diminished some of that some of that that divide that was really very obvious uh, in the past with regard to if you could, you you know, if you looked at textbooks, uh, your uh, your economically strapped school districts, they, their textbooks might be years, you know, years and years old, uh, whereas the more affluent school districts, they have new textbooks. What has technology done? with the majority of our young people walking around with phones? What has that done to to bridge that?
1: Well, with the information, because it is online, they have access to that information. So even uh, there are a lot of schools now because the physical books Mm
2: -hmm.
1: are expensive.
2: Right.
1: And so let's just say even you can have a school district where they may purchase 30 books of this textbook they also get that digital version the Mm -hmm. kids are not taking that textbook home excuse me right but that digital version they gain access that gain access to that digital textbook away from home Mm -hmm. so they'll always have that information with them not to mention there are uh, OER uh, open educational resources out there that are available whether it's Khan Academy, uh, PBS has yeah. some great information as well. And all of this free information teachers are able to use to disseminate to students, whether they use it via a learning management system or a Google Classroom. But they're able to create, curate those resources and give them to students. And so they'll have that information. Now, the, the, one of the problems with using this technology and where some people We'll tout study how technology hasn't changed test scores or hasn't changed the environment. One of the biggest problems is, one of the problems that you are seeing is people are taking these 21st century technologies and they're trying to apply them in 20th century ways of thinking about teaching. Mm-hmm. And that's just not going going to work. You cannot have the teacher stand up there for you know and lecture for forty minutes, say, "Oh, do this and do this on on the computer and expect that to make a difference
2: right
1: You know you as a teacher because all of us take those uh diagnostics you you look at your classroom, you can tell you have various writ ranges or lexile levels in your classroom, mm-hmm. so that's when you know you we all know what differentiation of instruction means. So use the technology to differentiate your instruction where you can actually break your students up into smaller groups and give them targeted instruction, and then better levy your time as a teacher to meet them where they are academically as opposed to trying to teach to the whole group, which we know that's not going to happen. I mean, that that's not effective, mm-hmm. uh, and so... By doing that, and then again, making students own their learning,
2: mm.
1: where they're creating, they're providing evidence of their learning. So instead of them, it's okay to have them learn how to write, you know, the, the, the five-paragraph essay. But in doing that, why not have students keep a journal? Why not have students write an ebook? Why not have students create a, a blog? They're still going to have to write the five-paragraph essay, but they're not just writing a five-paragraph essay on anything. Now they're actually producing something.
2: Right,
1: right. And so that's where I see the technology being able to bridge the gap when people let go of this is what traditional teaching looks like and actually embrace what the digital environment is. Right, because you can't go back. And bringing in those additional resources.
0: Right, right. Okay. Uh, Radio Islam family, we're going to take a short break. Our guest today is Dr. Will DeAmport, Dr. Will of the Dr. Will uh, Show. uh, And we're going to take a short break, as I said, and we'll be back in just a moment. Wide, serves its Chicago area clients from its north side location located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141 that's area code 872 872- or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, 1 in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, 1 in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, 1 in 88. I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
2: My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38, and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brothers Big Sisters. My Big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot.
0: My Big Sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer.
2: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child.
0: Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
1: Radio Islam The nation's first daily live call and talk radio show Produced by Muslims for the mainstream market Radio Islam On the air since 2004 Because of your generosity
0: Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset You,
1: our listener From our producers to our interns We appreciate your support Thank you
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq El-Amin, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember, folks, you can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. And you can also catch us wherever you get your podcast: SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, Google Play, at Radio Islam USA. All right, our guest uh, with us for this edition of Radio Islam is Dr. Will DeAmport. He is a uh, leader in digital education, um, and we've been talking about uh, just um, how, how it presents itself in the classroom uh, with, with educators uh, and beyond, and also talking about a show. But since we're still in the classroom, before we jump back out into uh, outside of the classroom, I want to ask uh, Dr. Will. Explain this idea, the term blended learning, for those who uh, may not be familiar with it, who are not uh, in education.
1: Our blended learning is essentially uh, being able to blend, if you will, face-to-face instruction with technology. Uh, there are various blended learning you know, models uh, that exist that will help teachers with the workflow in doing that. Uh, but you would hope in doing this is that you are taking the best of face-to-face instruction of what a teacher can do better than the computer and then bringing in the computer and, and those other different technologies to do better what the teacher cannot do.
0: Okay. So um, an example might be something like instead of a teacher having to give the same practic- practice exam, over and over uh, and grading it themselves, they can have them take the test uh, online. One of those platforms uh, I know my daughters use one of them um, and it gives them a certain amount of time to get the answer wrong or whatever they but they can continue to kind of loop go back through it until they get the information uh, they, they, until they're comfortable with the information. Would that be uh, an example?
1: Well yes there are sir, yeah there are programs that exist that way that can be part of a blended learning, uh, strategy. Okay. Um, it just, what the teacher is tr- basically trying to do is to make sure that they are able to better effectively, you know, reach students and give them a better education. There's a certain things that, uh, that a teacher can do better mm-hmm. and t- a teacher can foster, uh, creativity in the classroom. They can, a- they can ask questions, uh, do discussions, but with the computer, and particularly when you're talking about creation or you're talking about even assessment, so if you're talking about a, a pure, strictly uh, ABC sort of multiple choice question, a a, a, t- a computer can grade that automatically. Right. Whereas a teacher, they have to grade 150 papers. It'll take them a good while to do so. Right. Uh, so it, it's just really trying to get the best of both worlds. And again, there's different uh, blended learning frameworks models that teach, to give teachers an idea of how to best to do so. Uh, that the, again, the, the idea is to get teachers, again, part of it is letting go because teachers have been taught to teach in a way in which everything goes for them. Mm-hmm. And they're there at the front of the classroom they dictate everything. But in that blended learning environment, once the technology is introduced, there is some part of self-directed learning that goes on to the student, that the student is responsible for. And the teacher has to let go and be okay with that.
0: Is that a part of the the, the framework, the, the the bureaucracy of education? Or is that, I shouldn't say is that a part of does that change from uh, from a, a policy, from an organizational, uh, from an organizational standpoint, or does it change with the uh, with the teacher first? This idea of, of of letting go and 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 making student uh, directed education or learning student directed learning a you know a focal point.
1: I mean, everything has to come from leadership. <laughs> Excuse me, because. Even if a teacher took it upon themselves to do it, and it wasn't necessarily a policy, an administrator can come in and shut it down. Uh, so from that perspective, everything has to come from leadership. But teachers have to own it in terms of, this is what my new teaching practice will look like, mm. uh, and embrace it. I One thing I try to do with teachers nowadays is really not to... Overhyped the technology. You know, when I first we first went one to one, meaning that in these in these at these schools in these classes, every student has access to a Chromebook right. in every class. Uh, I came in with the I, I was hyped. And I was all right, teachers. <laughs> your students are going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to do that. And technology is moving education and transformation and. I had a couple of teachers jump on board with that with, with that philosophy but a lot of them it was too big of a mission, too big of an idea for them. And so after I got really frustrated and really wanted like, okay, I gotta give me a new job, this is crazy. <laughs> after that wore off, <laughs> I said, How do I? how do I first come to teachers for what's the win for them. Mm. If I can get them to think about what's the win for them. Right. And then gradually I can get them to that other side of digital transformation. And I just started talking about, all right, you got a 9 weeks test coming up. Instead of making a thousand copies for the day, and hand-grading all those papers, how about we use Schoology to grade your nine-weeks test? What's that, Schoology? Schoology. It's a learning management system.
0: Oh, okay. All right.
1: And so once they did that, and they found out, my day is over. Mm. I can go home. I'm free. (laughs) Then, oh, well, what else can I do? Right. And so once they found the ease of it, for some teachers, then they wanted a little more. And then I could give them a little more and a little more until they were ready to understand now let's take that leap forward that I was talking about in the beginning of the school year. And so that's sort of my – how I work with teachers now is not to overwhelm them with the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Let me say – let me show you some wins. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how you can shorten your day, how you can better your day, how you can, this, this, this gap you have with your students that you talk about, mm-hmm. let me show you how we can close that gap. And once they are comfortable with using the technology and they're having these wins, then we can get to the point of let's talk these overreaching ideas of transformation.
0: Now, even, even with um, finding the withems, right, the, what's in it for me, Uh, Mm -hmm. Even after that, are there still some educators that show reluctance uh, as far as embracing tech in the classroom? Yes. Okay. Yes. I I guess that would make sense. (laughs) It would have to be some. Uh, So so I'm not going to ask you to to dwell on them, but but I'll ask this also. Uh, And this is kind of segueing outside of the classroom a bit. Teachers um educators as a, as a whole uh the, the ones who and most of that I, that I know they see it really uh, almost as as a calling uh you know and they work not just at at uh, at at school but they take work home with them uh and you know work well into the you know into the nights quite often those who um you know, you know it just happens to be part of uh the just part of the uh, of of the occupation um mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm setting that up to, to ask this question. When you get to uh, when you talk about not giving away what you have uh, for free and seeing yourself as a whole person beyond just what you bring to the classroom, what is what are some of the challenges that you found um, in trying to get educators to see that um, for those who spend that kind of time and when it's just and it's all about. Giving back to the class, giving back to the school. How do you how do you get educators to see themselves as a, as a whole, as a whole person, uh, and 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 start setting goals and 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 working on themselves?
1: Uh, I'm still working on that. Uh, I, I think <laughs> the the biggest obstacle yeah. is educators. Like no one joins the field of education for
2: money,
1: mm-hmm. right? No one is. oh, I'm going to grab this master's degree, where in another field a master's degree can give you a director's position where you can be making, you know, depending on where you are in the position, you can be making $80,000 plus. Mm-hmm. As a teacher, that 80000 just gives you a a minimum bump in salary. Correct. So teachers are pursuing these degrees for more knowledge to become better at their jobs. It is not a wow. This is going to set me apart from anyone else, or this is going to really catapult my career for this big money. Uh, so no one is joining the profession for money, and then we're not talking about money and like other careers do. And we are. You hear a lot of educators really talk about the, the impact. You know, you'll hear teachers, oh, we are part of the most noblest professions on the earth,
2: right?
1: you know, they always talk about the impact. And I say, well, you got to think about that income, too, because you've got bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm still working because I, I have teachers who they, that's what they, they really think about the nobility of the profession, how I'm here to help the kids. They focus on the kids. They give selflessly to the kids, even though they're not making much money, they still spend out of their pocket. For school supplies, they still spend out out of their pocket, oh, I know this kid is not going to have lunch today. Let me give him some lunch money. Um, And so Mm -hmm. this whole working on their mindset is something that I'm hoping the podcast will at some point get people to take that first step. But people, dude, I had pushback from uh, from someone when I first started my show. He said, Will, you keep talking about this money. Why are you (laughs) talking about this money? Mm. Uh will you do anything for money? And I'm hey brother, <laughs> you know, uh I'm not out here selling my soul right. for the money. I, that, that's not the purpose of my show or my or what I what I tell people to do or even the own <clears throat> my own consulting work. I don't just take anything. Right. I said the, the purpose is to just not give it away for free. Right. You know, like we're talking about companies that are making money who are asking you for something, don't write for them for free. Don't present for them for free. Um, also, don't give your lesson plans away for free. You know there are a lot of teachers that will post lesson plans on different websites and they won't make any money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not saying you need to charge people a hundred dollars a lesson plan, but make something from it.
0: Right. Uh, so you, you took time th- to develop my, it. That's
1: my thought process of just valuing yourself and your expertise and what you bring to the table. And not just give it
0: away. Hmm. Now, now the, the argument always is—I uh, shouldn't say always, but oftentimes—the argument around education it, it it finds its way back to "quote unquote" bad teachers. Um, and I think with any in any profession, uh, you will find that you have some folks that don't that don't cut the grade. Uh, and education is is no different. Um, mm-hmm. But the the narrative around it and, and the, the frequency of of those assertions, it it turns it turns the uh, the request or the demand or the concern that teachers give about their own financial future, their own financial security, into almost sounding like it's not deserved.
2: Mm. And,
0: mm-hmm. uh, and and you know, I, I find that prop, that is that is problematic if we value education uh, the way we say we do then then we would show it and the money the, the 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 public dollars that we allocate for education um so that was just my my little two cents on that uh but is that is that something that you have also found to be uh is that a sentiment that you found to be shared by uh those who are in education where they feel they feel funny talking about money
1: they do <laughs> they do feel funny talking about money and
0: that starving artist kind of thing.
1: Yes, and I find it to be, like, really odd. Like, you know you have bills, and then on top of that, you have children who do activities that require you to spend some money for. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, so, and part of my thing is freeing themselves from the worker mentality. So they have no problem taking on that second job at JCPenney's. Mm-hmm or somewhere else. right? And I'm trying to get to understand is if you sell and monetize your expertise, whether that means you're, you are a contract trainer for an ed tech company or you become a consultant yourself or you write a book, mm-hmm. you know, because you can self-publish a book and not even have to worry about a publisher. Amazon may, Amazon's going to take a little, little taste of, of a fee, but you're going <laughs> to get most of the money. Right. Uh, so there's different ways for you to monetize and also save time for your family. Like there are a consultants out there who they're making $10,000 for the day. Wow. You're, you're not going to make $10,000 in a month working part-time at JCPenney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want them to understand what does this money look like and be okay with – Thinking of themselves as a business of one, uh, you know. We recently, I guess, over the past couple of months, there were teachers in Oklahoma and I think Kentucky, and they went on strike.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I, because, I, re- I was listening to it. I followed the uh, yeah. Kentucky one. Yeah,
1: because yeah, they knew they were they were very you know very underpaid mm-hmm. for the amount of work that they put in. Uh, I was I was watching some videos of some other teachers. they were like, oh, I got three part time jobs. I'm like, what? I'm thinking, what? Like, I know what your day to day looks like. Are you, I even, my wife is a teacher as well, mm-hmm. so I, I know the time and effort they put in. And so yeah. for the, for that not to be rewarded financially is crazy in itself. But for them to not sort of, how do I? How can I monetize the other talents that I already have? I'm not asking teachers to, or even trying to explore with teachers, you need to. Just do something out of the ordinary. But if if you're known for being a great teacher, become a consultant where you can teach other people how to do what you do, right? Uh, and and of course monetize it.
0: And I think this uh, has so, this has a lot of impact, uh, especially as we have um, as publication public education has changed and is morphing in you know around the country with the rise of uh, charter schools. And of course, mm-hmm. you know we have with uh, with private schools, you know parochial schools, um, that this this uh, market for consultancy uh, and, and trainers, uh, it's it's definitely one that it, you know it's going to have to be filled. So yeah, yeah. Well, Doctor Will, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk with us. And uh, this idea, it's really it's interesting that. Um, in your in your day to day you know that you are showing educators how to meet uh, young people with technology where they are but you're also using technology to meet educators uh and and to help them go where they're going to be uh and i think that's that's a wonderful thing so i want to ask you now if you would share uh if you'd share with the radio islam family the information about where they can uh, keep up with you how can they follow you uh, address address your show all of that good stuff
1: Oh, thank you. You could just go to SoundCloud or iTunes and just do a search for the Dr. Wheel Show. Uh, it'll pop up. Uh, I don't sort of have a regular release date, which I should, uh, but I, I normally release eight episodes uh, a month. Okay. And I say, you know, check it out and, and show some support. I, I appreciate it.
0: All right. Inshallah. Well, thank you once again. Um, and uh, may Allah continue to bless you in all that you do. Thank you. All right, Radio Islam family, uh, our guest has been Dr. Will D'Amport. Uh We thank you for tuning in. We want to thank our engineers over at WCEV, and uh, who else we don't thank? Uh, we'll go ahead and say thank you to our in-studio in engineer, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Uh, Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guest are theirs and are to be taken as a representation of the Sound Vision Foundation. And with that, good people, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Look forward to talking to you tomorrow with our, with the uh, Radio Islam uh, cultural contributor, Layla Abdullah Poulos. We'll be talking about her justice, uh, Muslim author Nasheed Jackson. And uh, we'll talk to you then. So we're going to leave you now as we greeted you. As-salamu alaykum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.